you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. From the 44 and a second straight handoff, and there's an opening for Lynch. Into the secondary, is back to Lynch, and he's over the top for the touchdown. He's looking long. He's launching it. Down for Lockett in the end zone, and it's caught for the touchdown. Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson taking care of business in San Francisco. The Seattle Seahawks win 20 to three on Thursday night football, and the game didn't feel that close. I'm Greg Rosenthal. I'm with Chris Wesseling. We are here, the Thursday night crew, to talk about a lackluster game, and then we're going to send it uh, to Dan Hansis, and the three of us are going to talk about all the Week 7 games, and we're going to get Connor Orr and Mark Sessler on the horn from London. That'll be cool. Uh, but first, let's talk a little... Thursday night football. This game, we didn't expect it to be close, and it was ridiculously not close. The tone was set early on the Seahawks' side. Nine Marshawn Lynch runs on the opening drive alone. Oh, yeah. Five inside the three-yard line. And then from the 49ers' side, Colin Kaepernick, inauspicious start. Beaning uh, equipment guy (laughs) in the head, (laughs) 10 yards deep on the sideline. And the equipment guy, according to the Sacramento Bee, had to get checked out by the medical staff. Well, that was one of three Kaepernick passes that sailed deep into the sideline. I mean, at one point you just yelled out, like, Colin Kaepernick is a danger to everyone. <laughs> everyone like he, in the stadium. Like, he's a, an advi- a health advisory should be around him when he's throwing those passes. And it was almost mallet-like with, with the way that he just throws these fastballs, even for short passes, and just was really inaccurate and really – clueless for what to do on the third and long and he had a lot of third and longs tonight and it, it just felt like the, the the play was even over before it started he either got sacked 
or he just dumped it off for a two-yard gain on third and 12. He got no help, really. The The right side of, right side of San Francisco's line with Jordan Devy and Eric Pierce, and you can throw in the center too, Marcus Martin, just got worked over by Cliff Avril and, and Michael Bennett. And then the 49ers wide receivers had two more catches than the 49ers quarter, cornerbacks. Oh, my God. It was just <laughs> Kaepernick got very little help at all. Well – some of that's on Kaepernick. And Quentin sure. Bolden didn't help him by jogging through some routes. He did not look 100%. Uh, Vernon Davis had his best you know, game of the career. But it's I give all the credit to the Seahawks defense. I mean, Michael Bennett, who I've been talking up, has, has been having a great season, really showed up on the stat sheet tonight. Three tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. Uh, your boy, Cliff Averill, who's arguably been the most consistent uh, defender on the team, had a, had a big night as well. Yeah, they look, to me, the Seahawks look like they're back. They're back to being a playoff contender. I, I don't really knock them too much for losing to undefeated teams the last two weeks. I agree with that. Then again, I, I, I don't think the 49ers are a measuring stick, but I thought the Seahawks were a talented playoff team before this. Well, the one difference tonight was the running game. Right. And I think they've shown signs the last two weeks, really, of run blocking better. And I think Marshawn Lynch looked a little better last week, and I think he looked the best that he's looked all season tonight. A lot of juice coming off the injury. It just seems like he, he's all the way back from whatever he was. It was a reestablish your identity performance for the Seahawks. It was. They have to feel good. I mean, it, it reminded me so much of the thir- the Thanksgiving night game last year, which was 19-3. to And that's the same Seahawks style of play. That's basically what they do. E- even when they when they win, it's not going to be crazy. Although this could have been, I mean, it was 269 yards to 59 in the first half. The only reason the score is even this close is Russell Wilson, who otherwise had a very good night. I would say very sharp, had two really ugly interceptions that, that killed drives. Yeah. And they have a chance for momentum. They draw the, uh, Matt Castle led, led Cowboys next week. And then the bye. <laughs> well, how do you know? I mean, you're saying Matt Castle led, like that's a bad thing. For the Cowboys, maybe that's maybe uh, Matt. It's Castle's certainly gonna, a great thing for the Seahawks. May, maybe Matt Castle is going to lead a rejuvenation. Yeah, no, I don't want to uh, spoil anything later in the show. Uh, so I guess that's it. I think we. I think the Forty ers are just. They are. They're the worst team in the NFC West by far. They've put to, up three of the worst performances we've seen by any team all year. They they are only four times all year has have teams had ten first downs or less in a game. And three of those games were by the 49ers. When they're bad, when they play badly, nobody looks worse. It's amazing. Not that long ago, Colin Kaepernick uh, would have been taken by people like myself and and others as as the guy. If you're looking long term, Kaepernick or Russell Wilson, like who do you take? And now it's like Kaepernick. I don't even know if he's going to be on the team next year. Yeah, that's it's telling how far he's fallen. So that's it for the Seahawks, twenty to three. Over the 49ers, let's get it to Dan and the rest of the Week 7 slate. The Around the NFL podcast doesn't watch soccer. (laughs) Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with some heroes. Christopher Wesseling to my left, Gregory Rosenthal to my right. Not Gregory. Not Gregory. Hey, Dan. Sorry. I cut off the hey, Dan. That's all right. Sorry, I forgot about that. It's double G, and that's it. That's all it says. The second G takes the place of the URI. I feel, by the way, that's an unnecessarily hostile intro. We do watch soccer. And uh, and to put it on the same week as the London game, you know, where 
where obviously soccer is the biggest sport, seems like an unnecessary shot. I, I love soccer now. I'm, I'm into soccer. Well, that's kind of you don't love it. You don't watch. A I love it, watching. Watch it. I Cup and I've loved getting stuff. into it. If I had more time, if I was younger, you know, I would really get into. If it. If you were a younger man, I played soccer. You were good. I, I've heard you were a good soccer player, Wes. I think I led my team in goals every year I played. Woo wee! I'm a lefty. Actually, I'm both. I I imagine ambidextrous with my feet. I imagine uh, you as the type, you know, you're kind of. You hear that, ladies? <laughs> I don't know. You're kind of like the male version of Abby Wambach, like a big bruiser p- pushing people around and getting some headers near the goal. I've been told I, lo- I bear a resemblance to Wayne Rooney. <laughs> mm. <laughs> do, do they have enforcers in soccer? No. I mean, well, they probably do. What do I know? So this is the <laughs> this is the uh, Thursday night, early Friday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. You just heard. Uh, Wes and Greg recap the Thursday night NFC West matchup between the Seattle Seahawks and San Francisco 49ers. Uh, That is uh, one of, uh, let's see here, four teams on by, Greg? That's correct. Okay, so that means 28 teams. (laughs) That means 14 games. That means one played already makes 13. So we got 13 games to talk about today. But what about the London game? Doesn't that change things? What does that have to do with anything? Well, the, you know, the time difference. Uh, I thought maybe jet lag. I don't know if that just changes the math. <laughs> I don't think so. Listen, <laughs> as I said, I once got a 39 on a state-mandated math test, so don't bring in the idea of time and space. I, I'm just it's unnecessary. Look, I'm just looking forward to going across the pond for the first time ever in around the NFL podcast history. That is good, and we will get Connor and Mark on the phone. That will be exciting. Uh, uh, what else is going on today? Before we came up. Uh, Greg, you did a nice little spot on Around the NFL, the television show. By the way, Andrew Siciliano uh, will be on the show a little later. He'll talk some football uh, with us, which makes sense because this is a football podcast. Uh, You were on uh, the television show today with Andrew talking about your watchability index. Rankings? I don't know. I have got a lot of rankings. How'd that go, uh, Greg? It was great. It was fantastic. Yeah, well, it said it, Mark. This is now the entourage, the Vinny Chase. Oh, you know, give me a. Break. How'd it go, Vinny? Did you get? Did you get the old Aquaman? It's great. I I taped the hit, just you know, fifteen feet away from your guys' desk in our newsroom, and it's it's wonderful to hear the, you know, the support of you know some of my good friends, um, at a moment when I'm you know trying to do you know concentrate and you know. Trying to make sure I'm not nervous. It's great that you guys are so supportive right near me. I can like feel that, especially coming from Dan. Wow, I'm really happy for you that you're that you're up there. I, I like. I hope I'm hope not hoping you do poorly at all, so that you know they don't bring you back. Turtle, how's your uh, sneaker scheme going? <laughs> I think I'm E. Oh, Every, nobody wants to be Turtle. Mark's Turtle. Yeah, uh, wants to be turtle. That's not right. Well, he's anyway, not here. It was no, it was good though. Uh, Mark, uh, Greg, you talked about your watchability. A scale where the Jets are a little too low, in my opinion, but uh, make sure you check that out. That might have been been unfair. Uh, We did get one just since it was on. Oh, exciting. What Uh, is it? Hashtag watch rankings. The number one team on his list has one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. But they play fun games to watch, and it's interesting. I've seen this. Wait, who is it? The Peyton Manning and the Broncos. Because every game is down to the wire, and the defense is great, and Wade Phillips, and it's fun to watch. I like to see Peyton Manning kind of try to figure something out. That's a classic 21st century. Greg knows what he's doing. He's been working on the internet for a while. You get the people talking. 
Whether whether I mean, they agree, six and oh, I didn't think it was too. Disagree. Uh, if you get people clicking and tweeting and hitting that comment section, so you're doing your job. You're basically saying he's <laughs> the Skip Bayless of digital content. Oh, I oh give me a that. break! I assi- you know the proof is in the pudding. I assigned that game to myself last week because I wanted mm. to watch some Broncos Browns. So we have, as I said, we have 13 games to get to. So why don't we do it? Why don't we get going? And we'll start uh, with the early games as we. Always do. Uh, we'll start with the New Orleans Saints, who got a really big win on thir- last Thursday over the Falcons, breaking the Falcons' um, perfect start to their season. Uh, unfortunately for the Saints, they're still only 2-4. and four. Now they travel to Indianapolis to face the Colts. The Colts, you know, they put up a nice fight against the Patriots. They didn't get embarrassed, which I guess makes it a victory, but then they embarrass themselves with the what WTF fake. <laughs> is, that what it, is that what everybody named it? There the were, old interwebs. There was a few. Snap Foo was the one from Bill Barnwell I liked. That's not bad. Um, so, yes, yeah, so the Colts um, have fell to 3-3, three and three, but that's still first place in AFC South. Greg, we'll start with you on this. What you saw from Drew Brees and company, does that give you hope? I know you like your Closet Saints fan on some level. Hope that the Saints are going to be a frisky team this year after a really bad start. Yeah, this is the key game or a key game for them. And if you look at their schedule, the next truly good pass rush they face is week 13. And I thought that was the key last week is they got the ball out of Drew Brees' hands. If you can protect Brees, I think they're going to have a chance each and every week. And the Colts don't have a great pass rush. The Colts have been consistently bad. I think the Saints have caught some bad breaks to be 2-4, but I don't think they're a very good team. So it, the Saints fans I know this week because you know, I'm friends with them and follow some of them, they're really excited. That you are one they, of them. They, they make and turn this season around. But it's like, turn it around to what? I think it's like, turn it around to 8-8. Eight and eight. You know, I don't Down think for what? I don't think it's turning around for anything exciting. So battle That's of, a best-case scenario. Battle of two sore-armed quarterbacks who would no longer go down the field. Yeah, that's although Andrew Luck has six TDs in his last five quarters after only throwing four in his first eleven quarters of the season. So maybe he's maybe he's turning the turning a new page. Yeah, what did we see from Andrew Luck against the Patriots? Did did he look like a guy that's not close to himself? He looked like he got his his pocket presence, which was so notably off the first three games, was much more improved, and he made several nice plays on the run and and really took off from the pocket a few times and did well. I was more impressed with his legs than his arms. Well, in the second half, he reverted back to some of the things we saw in, in the first five weeks when he was healthy, which is that he was spraying passes. Yep. I mean, he just was missing throws. And when they, they kind of adjusted at halftime, took away some of the underneath receivers, you know, if, if this is a Colts team that should be throwing the ball down the field. You have Moncrief, you have Hilton, you have Dorsett, and they really haven't been a downfield team this year. That's that's what they should be. I don't think they're going to be a great team if, if they're dinking and dunking. I agree. We all picked the Colts with the exception of Connor Orr, who's, you know, a wild card. Great renegade of picks. Uh, Connor went with the Saints, so he's riding hard with the Saints. I picked the Saints last week, got a hero out of it. Uh, if we still did those, but now Connor is going for it. Um, who knows? I feel like, I don't know. I got a feeling now, and they, we forked the Saints. Maybe it could be a little frisky. Eh. Maybe. They got to win this game. I, I, After I, the Colts put 45 points on the, them, you won't be feeling the defense is so <laughs> The defense not. is so bad, I think they they can improve to what they've been in those disappointing Sean Payton years, which is like 7-9. and nine. Okay, see ya. Um, yeah, but your boy, bro, it's pretty good. Yeah. Delvin, bro. Delvin, bro. Bro. One of the stories of the year. What's up, bro? Uh, moving on, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they will go without Ben Roethlisberger uh, most likely for another week. Uh, Landry Jones, who came on 
in uh, to replace an injured Mike Vick through two touchdown passes. We talked about that a little bit in our last show. He looked pretty good, but got a lot of help from Martavis Bryant. So we don't know what we're going to see from them. Now they've traveled to Kansas City to face the Chiefs. Uh, what else can be said about the Chiefs? They're one and five. They're they're hard to watch. I, I pitched the idea of not even covering them on around the NFL until they get a little more exciting, but that wouldn't be fair. Chiefs fans create some complications because they play again another yeah, team. They play other teams. Week. I get that, but you could only you could kind of you could play where you only really cover one of the teams in the game. You know. as boring as their offense is, I was really impressed by their defense against the Vikings. Allen Bailey have one of the best defensive end games you'll ever see in the in the run game. Ever? Shut down. I mean, he tackled Peterson in the backfield himself more than once, probably three or four times. Marcus Peters, rookie cornerback, had a great game, and Justin Houston is always excellent. Yeah, they're not a bad defense. They've struggled to play, you know, make big plays in the key spots. Bailey's really had a good season overall. And your boy Jay Howard. Jay Howard's had a good season overall. It's It's not a team that's without talent, even on offense. And yet they find ways to lose games. I mean, they're just in one of those ruts that that every game comes down to the fourth quarter and they find a way to lose each time. I mean, this is the same Alex Smith we've really been seeing. It's not like he's that much worse now than he was a year ago. Which is so surprising because after week one, we thought he was going to have his best year ever. Well, that's why you can't pay attention to week one too much. We right, do- Dano? Well, yeah, I mean, week one is just one. It's one of 17 weeks, Greg. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> I was in the middle of doing something. You <laughs> hanging me out to dry there. Uh, How about the Steelers? Yeah, let's talk about the Steelers. Same, we- same thing. I was more impressed with their defense. James yeah. Harrison in particular, but also uh, Mike Mitchell having a really good year at safety after he played through an injury last year and was kind of a disappointment. Uh, their defense is way better than we expected. Oh, yeah, especially in the secondary. And I believe you said that on Sunday or during the week, Wes, but that really struck me when I watched them too that William Gay is playing really well, um, and they're making plays in the secondary, whether it's Blake or Ross Cockrell. Cockrell sometimes, although he gave up Ooh. some big plays and had some penalties uh, against the Cardinals too. He's, he's like D'Angelo Hall. They, I mean, they deserve credit. I know they got a little help on against the Cardinals, but to hold them you know, in terms of some penalties, a missed field goal, um, but they made big plays to hold the Cardinals, and I know they were giving up a ton of yards that whole game. But it's about the scoreboard, and they only gave up 13 points to that juggernaut of a team is is an amazing feat. I don't care how they did it, how many yards they gave up. I just made I switched my pick to the Chiefs. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I I think that makes sense. I um try not to make a pick here. Yeah, I kind of didn't uh, I didn't put too much thought into it, I guess initially. But you know, like like you were saying, Wes, with Landry Jones, people are getting excited. Oh, he should have been playing over Michael Vick the whole time and all that stuff. We still didn't see a ton from him to think that he's he able to play. And that's I don't I know the Chiefs are not good this season, or they and now they have no Jamal Charles, which makes things worse. But that's still a tough place to win a game, and you're sending a kid in there with hardly any experience. That's going to be a tough game to win. He looked uh, more poised than than I expected. He was under control. Um, like you know, Mike Tomlin, I believe, said he just did what he was supposed to do and didn't give, offer any more praise than that, and that's. That's how you grade that performance. Well, he had some ugly – he had a couple ugly throws, but he also had, you know, a third and 12, you know, nice throw into his own coverage, and he had a very good timing throw on a back shoulder one to Mar- Martavis Bryant. And those are NFL throws. Those, that was a, I noticed that. That was yeah. a deep out where he's throwing the ball with anticipation before the receiver does something, and he has something that Michael Vick 
you know, only had for a couple quarters and that Ben Roethlisberger didn't have all season. And that's Martavis Bryant, who for one game looked like a top 10, you know, for, that was an amazing. Yeah, he had an awesome game. An amazing performance because he showed you everything. He had a diving catch. He had the leaping touchdown catch. He had the yak. I mean, he, he had the yak, yak. He, he looked tough. I mean, he adds another potential, you know, not number one receiver, but a great number two receiver. Fantasy tip. I'm, I don't give fantasy tips on Twitter, but on the podcast I will. Okay. If you're not trying to steal Antonio Brown from his owner right now, you're not you're not doing it right. And if you before Big Ben gets back, and then he starts averaging ten catches a game again. And if you're too stupid, uh, where you're looking to trade Antonio Brown a week before Big Ben comes back, you shouldn't be in a league anyway. But Just people quit. are stupid. Well, that's true. That's we got DeMarco Murray true. for a backup tight end. <laughs> you got Mark, you got I mean it's an upset this getting mentioned again, but you I mean you guys should be Fleecing. called away for that nonsense. A lot of vine trial. By the way, I That's did. like a, the commissioner should have stopped that. I did. I mean that's like booting out of the league. Uh, yeah. I did. Wow. <laughs> poor, really poor Patrick Crowley. Yeah. Um <laughs> just for the idea of um you know posterity, I did send out a full breakdown on Twitter of our uh, front office structure. Um, so if you want to check that out, but uh, you should know that Chris Wessling, who is a minority owner at 4%, <laughs> is the chief draft consultant, day-to-day consigliere to the majority owner. I like being a consigliere. It's a good role for me. Yeah, you're my lieutenant, my dog, you're my lifeblood. Need you, baby. Uh, Mark and I both took the Chiefs in that game. Moving on, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, yes, they took care of business against the Chiefs. Uh, not a not a, a great performance by any stretch, and Adrian Peterson was not able to get going in that game. Uh, now they go to Detroit to face the Lions, who finally got a win just barely. Uh, uh, another grim game against the Bears, an overtime win in which at, uh, time, there were times where it didn't look like anybody was going to win, but ultimately it was the Lions getting their first win of the season. Uh, Greg, can you make a case why the Lions will again be frisky and uh, get maybe win number two. Oh, yeah, because th- I think the Lions remind me a lot of the Saints in that they're one in five, but there's not really that much of a difference between them and some teams that are three and three or even four and two, or in the Vikings' case, three and two. To me, these two teams have not been that different uh, for the most part this year. I would give the edge in this game to the Vikings' defense overall. It's probably the one group out of the four you know, groups in this game that's been consistently good. It's a good defensive line. It's good overall, and that's why I'd give the Vikings a slight edge. The Vikings have to be just absolutely thrilled with what their draft class showed. With the exception of Trey Waynes, they had, they had to watch Marcus Peters, who they bypassed for Trey Waynes. But Stefan Diggs is legitimate. That guy, he's quick. He has great instincts. He's already a very good route runner as a rookie. And he's going to keep starting for them. He's that good. Uh, Mike Wallace compared him to Antonio Brown, which is very high praise. And then Eric Kendrick, second-round linebacker, leads the team in tackles, had a sack. Danielle Hunter, the third-round defensive end, is playing well. TJ Clemmings at right tackle held his own. Their rookies looked really good in that game. That that Lions-Bears game – we were talking about downstairs, to me was the ultimate Matthew Stafford, Jay Cutler game. Hmm. I mean, remember a couple, three or four years ago when Cutler got traded there or was playing pretty well and people were like, 
Ooh, the NFC North. That's quarterback division. That's the division with all the quarterbacks for the next five years. Watch out. But here we are five years later, and to me that was the defining Stafford-Cutler game because it was a lot of fantasy points. They're both better in fantasy than reality. It was a lot of points. It was just kind of like let's just throw the ball up and let our big receivers make plays. Oh, and it's for two lousy teams in a game that doesn't really matter. That it would have been fitting if it ended with no one winning. <laughs> that was the that best. Be that was the best line from your QB index this week, which is what two strong-armed quarterbacks racking up fantasy points, signifying nothing. Yeah, well done. Thanks, buddy. www.nfl.com/slash/qbranks. Yeah, it was Why? a be- it was a better line than you talking about Matt Ryan's brain farts. Oh, you gave me grief <laughs> for that. You usually give me. Usually, you know, point out the good vocabulary. You didn't like brain farts. No, I didn't. I, I think farts is beneath you for a column. <laughs> brain cramps. Maybe. Okay, that's fair. That's Air right. biscuit would have been good. <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense. I had a Wes uh, would be a great editor. He'd be a good editor. You would be. In fact, Although you are he... now the editor, Wes. <laughs> <I know>. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, when I run this outfit, everybody's going to be in trouble. <laughs> Uh, not bad. Uh, let's see. Who, how do we pick this? Uh, the old Zeuser and Connor Orr, the Renegade, both went with the Lions. So that will be probably a close game. Look forward to that. All right. We've waited long enough, guys. Let's do it. Let's get on the phone, Miss Sydney. Um, our friends, our correspondents overseas, Mark Sessler uh, from the L.A. desk, Connor Orr from the New Jersey Haunted Mansion in London for the Bills-Jaguars games. Are you there, man? Hello. <laughs> we are Ah, <laughs> uh, Wow. This the- is a dream fulfilled. We've talked about on to London for years on this show, and you guys are there. Wow. Tell us how it is so far. Um, I would say that uh, – uh, there are many victories. There are many positive things, but also some wild disappointments. Whoa! Wow! Right off the you bat, know, disappointments yeah. gets in. Uh, tell get, well. I, I want to know what are the disappointments. And and let me preface this by saying it's a beautiful, wonderful place. But um, <laughs> I don't understand why the sink faucets open the wrong way. I don't understand <laughs> the um, the the importance of and the reliance on plain bread instead of rolls it kind of mm. boggles my mind i, I like and, bread i like bread it's very that, specific yeah, complaints and um <laughs> and and then just kind of you know uh, you know the one thing i will say is that they've been very patient with our bad british accents and i do like that so, wait you're using a fun. oh no see greg you might have <laughs> said the wrong guys wait you're using a bad british accent in great britain well, you know what it was like we uh, the first day that we were here, there was like this enterprising reporter doing like this sub sidebar on on Tyrod Taylor. And it became <laughs> like this thing where it was like, Tyrod, what was it like to escape the tyranny of Joe Flacco in Baltimore? And like, you know, it became this like rolling thing. And then all of a sudden, like we were doing it in front of like Sky Sports reporters. And then we felt I, I felt really bad about it, but they thought it was funny. So. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark, uh, your thoughts uh, now as you've you've let us know time and time again, you did spend some time in uh, Mother England as a youth. Your thoughts on your return overseas? I mean, my sense is it's simple. This is my home. This oh. is my homeland. And I, I, you know, Connor and I, we've been shopping for apartments because <laughs> there is a high percentage chance that we don't return to the states. I 
I understand that Connor is cynical about some niche elements about this country, but overall, I have to give London an A plus mm. across the board. It's been. I, I am also dealing. I was asking questions of Rex Ryan and Greg Roman today with a massive case of jet lag. I'm not. I'm subhuman at the moment, but it's been. Absolutely fantastic. I've had a great time. I, I just got word from Shadowy League figures already sent me a bulletin. Mark, you're allowed to go to London again. Connor, you're never coming back. There. You're never going back. <laughs> not, not shocking at all. What is yeah. the – all right, so let's get into the game a little bit, guys. Um, what is the vibe in terms of the preparation? Uh, we're not going to have Tyrod Taylor playing, obviously. Uh, EJ Manuel gets another start. Uh, are you guys – you're both covering one team each, right? Is that how this is working? Well, I mean, we are, but the Jaguars what, – what's very strange about any London trip is that you can – you know, teams can decide when to land. And Connor, who's covering the Jaguars, they've not even – they're not even here yet. So we were, we've really only covered the Bills. Mm. And I can't think of a team in the AFC that's more depleted by injuries right now. It's like they don't have Sammy Watkins. We found out today that Tyrod Taylor won't play. You know, you've got a team that's completely banged up. I think the Jaguars are going to stack the box against LaShawn McCoy the entire time. And we talked to Roman today, and he basically said that he wants to run the same kind of multiple offense that he had in San Francisco, but he can't even get the same players on the practice field from one week to the next. So it almost feels like a game that tilts in favor of Jacksonville at this point. I slept in a little bit this morning and woke up to news that Percy Harvin is AWOL and thinking about retiring. Is that true? Yeah, um, so, uh, you know, like, the, it was a report that Ian and I worked on together. Basically, you know, he's he's thinking about retiring. I mean, he's thinking mm. very hard about it. He's had this lingering. He had the labrum tear in Seattle, and uh, it was hard for him to get over. He feels like it's still a painful thing, and he can't get to top speed. And so at this point, you know, football has kind of become secondary, and it's, it's a really frustrating issue for him. So he's he's thinking about his life options. Wow. I mean, when, yeah. And, and I think that for, for the bills is that, you know, Madden, you know, does, does that drive you insane? Sure. But I mean, it's, it's, at the end of the day, you have to think about your long-term viability, I guess. Well, it's not shocking everywhere. Percy, it is shocking that he's considering retirement, but everywhere Percy Harvin goes, uh, their drama is to follow. The Jets really maybe had the best Percy Harvin era of any team so far because it was, it was so short and, and nothing could happen. And, and, Connor, as I'm speaking, I actually just got another bulletin from Shadowy League figures. You're doing intrepid reporting on Percy Harvin and sources in London about possibly retiring. You can absolutely go back. It changed. let <laughs> Super reassuring from the shadowy league figure. Tell them all. Thank you so much for that. Um, a couple more things. You know, you guys are obviously, or Mark, I know, you know, impressed by the British accents over there, particularly, you know, maybe by the women folk. Uh, is anyone impressed with your British, your American accent, I should say? Well, I mean, we've essentially been dealing with pasty Caucasian sports reporters up to now. So, I, you know, I don't have a huge takeaway on that front. Pasty but whites, and I huh? did. We've come fresh from a trivia contest at a fantastic British bar where I would just say I could stay here for a thousand years. Nice. I, I mean, it's a fantastic. I would. I want to move my family over here oh, and never return I, to America. Wow, nice catch wow. there. Nice catch there by bringing the family over. Wait, not, definitely done, Mark. What's the trivia question? Is it, is it all about like faulty towers and the Office so, uh, UK version? 
So what we were clued into, and wham? Uh, what we were clued into by some of the pub regulars was that it, every night has a every trivia night has a theme, and so the questions kind of weave in in terms of like categories of science and history and geography. But tonight's theme was very British, very appropriate. It was everything was based around the rock band Queen. So like everything had like related back to like the answers would be like Freddie something for Freddie or like something related to the title of a Queen album or mm. something. So it was, uh, yeah, I mean, we've just been, we're, we're totally immersing ourselves in the culture is what I'm trying to say. I want this all to show up in the articles just to feel the, the vibes that, that are there because <laughs> you sound like you're really becoming experts. Isn't Brian May an astrophysicist? <laughs> that, maybe that's they, maybe that's what, one, one thing I have to say about the Bills, the Bills are practicing about an hour outside of London in a tucked away woodland it's basically just a clearing in the middle of a forest. That's and like a Sessler fever dream. It is. It is. Connor was there a day before I was, and he, he briefed me on this. But you need to see it with your own eyes to see Richie Incognito dancing around in, like, a forest clearing <laughs> with a bunch of other, like, 400-pound gentlemen. I mean, it is one of the most bizarre things I've ever witnessed on in any NFL landscape. Mm. Hey, I, the money was worth it just for that last sentence, Mark, sending you over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's cool that two of our loyal listeners from Great Britain, a cabbie and a police officer, have offered their services to Connor and Mark. Oh, That's wow. Right. Well, I, well, I figure it, they might need the police officer more than Well, how about that? How about that? Has anyone well, recognized you, number one? And number two, uh, this is to the audience listening. If anyone over uh, in London happens to see Connor or Mark, get a selfie with them and send it to uh, at around the NFL. We will retweet it. So the first, uh, when, I, when I went to the first Bills practice, um, there was a, a young uh, freelance journalist um, from the independent newspaper and he came up to me and he said, are you Connor from around mm. the NFL? And I said, yeah. And the first thing he said to me was, I'm really sorry about what happened to Griff Whalen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's it, awesome. It's like, yeah, it was like this amazing moment. But, you know, let's uh, it, it, add on to that. I mean, uh, let, pay attention to the Twitter feeds. We're going to announce where we're going to do our meetup on Saturday after <laughs> Fan Fest. So if anyone's listening, we're going to, if, if you want to party with Mark and I all night long, this is your chance. I'm so jealous. I've never felt that we've arrived more than someone caring about Madden, uh, Connor's fake Madden team internationally. <laughs> and we've made international news. All right. That, it's a raging topic. That is, <laughs> that is it for now from our uh, London correspondents. We will check back in with them on uh, Sunday and see how things play, uh, play out with your big game. Jaguars against the Buffalo Bills. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us and have fun tonight. Well, thank you. It's a sneaky, terrible game, but we are having a fantastic oh. time. Oh, no, no. And, no. Uh, you know, we missed Strike you, that. but not entirely. We might, have to, gentlemen. we might have to edit all that out, Mark, because we're going to watch. The whole world's going to watch on Yahoo.com, whatever, slash stream. The world Nailed event. It. Jaguars. Right. Bills. Thanks. All right. Thanks, guys. I well. I think Cheers. that <laughs> What time is it over there by the way right now? Uh it we are as we're taping this it's past 11 in London. Okay. I you know, they seem to be in a good mood. <laughs> well said. Are you holding that against them? No, 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 no. That's, no, no, that's no, code no. for something yeah, else. Thank you, Wes. Well, no. <laughs> thanks, Wes. I like no one understood that. 
No, you were it's trying to spin it like I wasn't happy for them. Well, you no, seen... I'm very happy for them. I'm just saying they just seem in a pretty good mood. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. All right. Uh, and in that game, uh, probably should have mentioned it, but Connor uh, – or excuse me, we all took the Bills except for Chris Wessling, who took the Jags in that game. Oh. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's the Bills are just too beat up right now. Yeah, they're starting EJ Manuel. Well, I'm surprised is, you guys are going with them. All right, this is such a special occasion. Uh, you know, the first ever live stream game bet, six thirty uh, Pacific, nine thirty Eastern. I'm gonna go ahead and pick it. The Jaguars are gonna win this game. Come on, against EJ Manuel and this banged up. They're they're overdue. It's their home stadium. Is anyone? I can ask pick Greg, Like who? Hey, <laughs> you just pick it. Where's the bag? Where's the potato sack? I uh, I went along with it only because he's agreeing with me. Well, and because uh, if, yeah, if the host isn't going to promote this game and keep us going, I, I got to do it myself. You're doing a good job. All right, good to hear from the boys. Uh, but we must move on as a group here in Culver City. And let's check in now on the Houston Texans and the Miami Dolphins. And uh, the Dolphins under the hulking interim head coach Dan Campbell looked pretty damn good against the uh, Titans last week, a dominant victory. And the Texans, you know, the Texans are the Texans. They're two and four, lingering. But Greg, you believe, <laughs> you believe it in your heart that the Texans are going to make a run here. Well, I'm not. No, I don't believe they're going to make a run. But I do believe oh. they're going to be in first place at the end of this week. We have to make a bold prediction on the website and uh, for NFL now. And uh, I thought that the Texans, at least for now, could go tell us to fork ourselves. You know what I'm saying? We stuck the fork in them. After a couple weeks, and it would not surprise me at all to see them win this game. I just don't buy the whole Dolphins resurgence. I think the Colts are a, a very mediocre team, and they could both be three I, and four in the head in the NFC, AFC South. I couldn't agree more with there's been a lot. Of, and, Wes, you're big on the Dolphins. I couldn't right disagree now. more with Greg. I'd be shocked if the Dolphins lose. Why game. do we think all of a sudden all the bad stuff we were saying about the Dolphins, how it wasn't all Joe Philman, how it was a poorly constructed roster. Exactly. Do we really think all of a sudden the tight ends coach, he beats a crappy Tennessee team and now, you know, where the quarterback gets hurt in the game and now all of a sudden the Dolphins are have a good roster that just needed a coach to figure it out? I don't I, buy it. I said it was poorly constructed because if their stars are not healthy and playing well, they can't win. But they are healthy and playing well. Cameron Wake, Cameron Wake dominated that game. Seeing Jeremiah Putasi try to block Cameron Wake's speed rush, I mean, that was futile. And then Sue played well. Brent Grimes is back. Rashad Jones is playing Pro Bowl caliber at safety and, and was really the only player who looked like he wasn't going through the motions in September. Well, I noticed you didn't mention anything about their passing game because they still have a quarterback who, in theory, is one, played of, well. is one of their stars. And you're, you're buying that Tannehill. I thought he there. had one of the – if you take away his throws to Jordan Cameron where I would – I'm wondering if the – Coaching staff blames Cameron for both of the interceptions. I thought it was one of the best games of Tannehill's career. He even hit some deep passes. They had their most rushing yards of the season by, what, three minutes into the second quarter? Well, I think that they're was a different thing, team under Dan. That jumped out to me more than anything that Lamar Miller, who was so good last season, and for whatever reason, maybe it wasn't a doghouse, but was really de-emphasized in that offense uh, under Fieldman. As soon as they gave Lamar Miller the ball, he – that changed everything for them. But is that going to happen on a week-to-week basis? I need to see more to see that the Dolphins aren't still a mess because I could just as easily see them blow this game. They don't play great at home. I could I could totally I don't, see that. I don't think anybody's going to want to play the Dolphins the rest of the year. People are going to picture them as a bad team, but they're going to be frisky. Well, they won't if they win this game. I mean, this is the get-out-of-jail uh, free card game. 
they the winner here is right in the mix. I mean, the Dolphins will be three and three. Forget their slow start; they'll be in fine shape. They could be ahead of the Bills at that point. I mean, three and three. It's you basically haven't even started the season. So, it, for everything I'm saying about not really buying them, it doesn't doesn't matter what I'm I saying. Think they'll be back. They're right back about where they'd expected to be. These are the two teams that we forked that are most likely to come back and haunt us. Hmm, that's an interesting point. That's I don't really buy the Texans. Uh, I, I don't know. buy either of these teams. These are both. At best, eight win teams. At best, I don't. See, I'm really surprised, Wes, that you've turned uh, toward the Dolphins here based on that one game. But we need to see more than that. More than that, we might even. We I thought they were a this. playoff team well, entering you, the year. Right, exactly. You thought they were good coming into the year. So right. now you get a little bit of hope. And I saw what they did to the Titans. It was a very complete performance. I was impressed by them. And I, I think coaching can make it. If they were a team that truly quit on Philbin and they looked like it, I think that I this could. Turn them around. Give them. It's not. It didn't take a, a brain surgeon to make the right move, but they did make the right move, cutting Philman loose when they did because they had the buy, and then they had two easy, easily winnable games back to back that really could get the team back in a good positive mindset. So this if they take care of business here, maybe they'll get they'll get that confidence going again. And they will be a team in the mix. Yeah, this isn't Tony Sperano taking over a bad Raiders team with with no talent on it. This is actually a pretty talented roster at the top of it. I guess I was questioning. What kind of tactician they're getting in Dan Campbell, that's tight fair. coach with virtually no experience? I have, feel like that's going to come back to get him a little bit. Well, they have two coordinators that that are really running those sides of the ball. So Campbell's job, in theory, is to you know kind of organize and rally the troops and change a couple of things. I don't think he has anything to do with the play calling uh, on either side, other than he's probably telling uh, Mark's boy Bill Lazor, "Hey, run the football all the time." Like that's. That seems to be the difference. Yeah, that's probably what he's doing. <laughs> uh, we have all taken the Dolphins to take care of business uh, in Miami. Moving on, it is the the game with, uh, where the AFC East hanging in the balance. The New York Jets and the New England Patriots, the 4-1 and Jets, the 5-0 and Pats, uh, a game that really doesn't need too much more hype, uh, but it did get some uh, Greg Rosenthal early Thursday when the plucky millennials manning the Patriots – uh, Twitter feed uh, posted <laughs> a hashtag TBT throwback Tuesday uh, image of the butt fumble, which was, you know, for the Patriot way, that seemed to be a little out of bounds. And once it caught fire oh, on Twitter a little bit. Poor Jets fan. No, we were fine with it, but it's just like total, as Czech no, was saying you're downstairs, not. You were, you totally were acting hypocritical like a- uh, of that organization to, to play in that sense. And w- what happens? They don't even stand by it. Once the people start talking about it, they pull down the image. But, uh, you know. This is this is the confidence, the overconfidence coming out of Foxborough. Who cares? Who cares about some well, social media manager sending out a jokey tweet? I mean, it's not that great of a tweet, but to act like anyone is mocked oh, outrage. I, by cares? the way, I forgot the, the message with the image. This seems relevant. Oh, oh, that's terrible. You are a jerk. What a oh, hey. hey. Breaking news, social media manager has a poor sense of you know, humor <laughs> or decorum or vocabulary. You know what the real problem is? Sorry. All these social media goons are actually fans of the teams that they work for. Well, of course. So that colors their actions. This is – but I will say this, and I have been getting – obviously as a vocal Jets fan, I'm, I've been getting a lot of tweets from Patriots fans. It really is. It's getting distasteful, Greg. This this anytime you you question the Patriots or pump up the Jets a little bit, it's like, 
we can't wait to drop a 50 burger on you. We're going to hang 50 points on you this week. Who is it's saying like, that? It's basically that you guys are – your fan base is essentially the bullies on the block that anytime they feel like they're challenged, they're like, oh, we'll sock you good. It's like, oh, we're, we're, we're going to score 50 on you. 50, man. Well, if, if anything, you know, from what I could tell this week, Jets fans are really confident. A lot of people that aren't even Jets fans think that the Jets have a very good yeah, I don't like that. Too to many win people this game. Like that. Sheldon Richardson, you know, looks good again. The whole front four, you can get pressure up front without having to send people, and they will send people too. They've got cornerbacks that can uh, certainly slow down Edelman and Amendola one-on-one, which is a, a great thing to have. It all sets up very well for the Jets, and there's a lot of confidence. I think people are taking this game a lot more seriously uh, nationally and, and even in New England than you're given credit if you, for. If you look at the matchup, the Jets defense, which is number one in several categories right now, really does match up well against the Pats because they do have that pass, as we've seen through the years, what's the way to get to Tom Brady? You, you get in his face. Now, the Jets aren't a big sack team, but they do put pressure on quarterbacks so they can win that battle up front. They have the cornerbacks. And one major flaw for the team last year was an inability to cover the tight end. Now, nobody's going to really cover Gronk. But the way this defense is set up, I have more confidence that they could perhaps keep Gronk from taking the game over. I think the Jets are going to play. This is going to be a tight game. I'm not saying they're going to win it necessarily. I'm not overly confident that that happens. But people that think this is going to be 46 to 10 are way off base. Well, who knows? Ryan Fitzpatrick's playing. The Patriots win a lot of games like the Jets have won this year on turnover differential, which is impossible to predict every time. Not every time, but a lot of times in these Jets, in these Patriots games, when, whenever there's sort of a national feel that, the, oh, I think this is a week actually you're going to pick them off. That's usually when the Patriots do, That's win, true. do win pretty comfortably. It's definitely true, Wes. I felt better about the Jets' chances before they started channeling Rex Ryan and running their mouths again. <laughs> oh, Sheldon Richardson on. guaranteeing a victory. Marcus Gilchrist says he prepare for Tom Brady the same way you prepare for Kirk Cousins. Well, no. See, we're becoming the, the monster that we hate there by not reading what Gilchrist actually is saying. I read it. No, actually, it's it pretty was disrespectful. worse. You read, the, no. you read the context that actually it makes it worse. No, it wasn't any better. In the, if you read the story, what he's trying to say is the only way we prepare is we don't give things special meetings or titles. We go into every game with the same mindset about how we prepare for opponents, whether it is Tom Brady or Kirk Cousins. But if you want to mix it up that way and get no, your I clicks. No, I read the content. Go ahead, get your clicks. It made it sound a lot worse once you read go the Go downstairs and write your story and get your clicks, Wes. I'm click, not writing click, click, story. And Sheldon Richardson, you know, let's face it, I, I love him as a player, but a little bit of a doofus, so that doesn't surprise me. Well, I think one of, you know, the side of the ball that's getting ignored in this game is Jets offense versus Patriots defense. And Wes, you know, you've been writing on Twitter and all sorts of places how impressed you are with the Patriots defense, which is playing way better than a lot of people expected this year, including myself. Jamie Collins making really another leap after he made the leap last year. Chandler Double Jones, leap? Chandler Jones Double doing leap his Whoa. Leap. Jabal Sheard uh, living up to what we said in this room, which was going to be a really good free agent addition, and he's absolutely been that. Uh, Malcolm Butler playing better than anyone could expect, especially after a bad week one. I mean, since then, he's been basically lights out. Bill Belichick, uh, this is what started me on on the, watching this defense. Bill Belichick said this week that no matter who we had, and he was referring to Darrell Dar- Rivas and Brandon Browner, Malcolm Butler would still have a big role on this team because he's covering number one receivers and doing a pretty good job of it. I really like this defense. We think of the Patriots as Belichick and Brady, but they we forget that they were the youngest team ever to win a Super Bowl. And that is, you know, wow. the Brady and uh, Belichick deserves a lot of credit, obviously, for what he's done. And that's what, just another example of what we're seeing this year because 
what was the conversation going into the season? Like their corner, their entire secondary was decimated. That was going to be the weak point, but they just figure it out. And if they can keep, if they can keep Dominic easily healthy, I think he could be the key to them becoming an even better, like Dominic easily. When you watch him play, he's as quick as any three technique. I mean, they're, they haven't gotten much out of easily. And now they're, you know, the back-to-back first round picks, uh, defensive tackle, Malcolm Brown, who hasn't really done a lot this year. Uh, but you're right, and then they're so athletic up front. Once, yeah, they do have an athletic team. Once Deion Lewis drops one of those Allen Iverson killer crossovers and some of the Jets defenders, that's my <laughs> Deion Lewis comparison. You compare uh, Rodgers to Jordan, Deion Lewis to Allen Iverson. He looked affected by that ab injury last week. Let's see if he's uh, himself. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at this from all angles. I'm studying this one very closely. Your boy Leonard Williams moving yeah. on up the Rookie of the Year watch. He might be number two this week. Wow. Big Mac had a nice offseason, huh? He did. I think th- that Brandon Marshall trade was so underrated. Too. And to, they got Mar- Marshall, and who did they essentially choose Marshall over? Percy Harvin. Yeah, that was a great decision. Um, anyway, so I have to pick the Jets, so I do. 2017, that's going to be the final score. Patra, who continues to lead the picks and is doing a great job, uh, he is 64 and 27 this year. It's seven. Patrick's running away from us. Uh, he's up about six games. Yep, he's got six games on you. Mm. Um, he picked the Jets as well. So let's see what happens. Good job, Kevin. In Foxborough, moving on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are two and three uh, with their rookie quarterback Jameis Winston. Now they travel to Washington D.C. or just outside to face the Redskins, who were uh, two and four. And we, you know, this was a hot talking point on the previous podcast about the Redskins, Wes, sticking up for the Redskins so we didn't stick a fork in them. So I would assume, Wes, that this is a game that the frisky Redskins, in your mind at least, are going to take care of business, get to three and four, and stay in the thick of it in the mediocre NFC East. Sure, all you have to do is beat a bad Bucks team. You better. No, I, I have no faith in the Bucks ever winning. What if the Bucks win? Can we fork the Redskins? Sure. All right, good. I love holding you to that. Yeah, it works. Really? If that, the Bucks, if the Bucks beat the Redskins going oh, into I, the Redskins bye week, yeah. Oh no, I know, but uh, just from what I've heard from this side of the room this year, I'm surprised that you know you would even consider forking a team you know, coached by Newt Rockney <laughs> and quarterbacked by Joe Montana. You've got Deion Sanders, you know, in his prime in the secondary. I mean, this Redskins team is just it's really head scratching that you don't like <laughs> Kirk being Cousins. Sarcastic. I know it's really head scratching that you don't like Kirk Cousins more, considering you're the patron saint of bad quarterbacking. Ooh. You love bad quarterbacks like nobody. You know else. what I like? I like bad quarterbacks that make exciting plays. And Kirk no, Cousins fair. is the opposite. Of he that. doesn't throw past he, 10 yards. He's a low ceiling quarterback that doesn't even get to that low ceiling usually. I thought in week one he did go downfield, but then you take away Deshaun Jackson and you take away That's Jordan Reed, and what are you? who are you left with? I saw a stat. He's only thrown 19 or 21 throws all year over 20 yards, and he's completed three of those. And he's playing last week without his starting center, without his left tackle. I think once they get healthy, he'll start going down. That is totally fair. I do think their defense is overachieved. I think the running game is intriguing, even if it doesn't have the results. Shot and they, Breland and they, might be making the leap. Though. And they've had a lot of injuries, so they do have excuses, but they're not they're not a good team still. I, I'm starting to think there maybe was a jinx, Wes. It, it did stick in my mind when I was looking at uh, Matt Jones being inactive. Before that Giants game in week three, you said that would be his coming out, mo- coming out moment as rookie of the year. Uh, I mean, is he playing this week? And, you know, 
what do they need to do to get their running game going? Because it did not look very impressive. Well, they need their offensive line to be healthy, first of all. But, yeah, I think Matt Jones didn't even play last week. I'm not sure if he's playing this week. But Alfred Morris is also not making anyone miss. He looked great in the first week. We talked about how if you pay too much attention to week one, Alfred Morris has not looked good. Um, Jameis Winston, we haven't really talked about him much. Uh, through five uh, starts, he is uh, – Completing 56.5% of his passes, 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns, seven picks. Pass rating of 77.7. No, six. That would have been awesome if that was a 7-2. Good yards per attempt, 7.7. But, uh, 7.7 yards per attempt. He's been sacked 11 times. What are our, what are our early returns on Jameis Winston? you think there's a lot there, or are we worried? I've rarely had so little opinion on uh, a high-level quarterback after watching four games. It's such a cop-out, but I just feel like I don't have a good feel from him yet. I mean, he's shown you why he's a first-round quarterback multiple times. I mean, he's he's shown enough to for you to know, okay, I think he's an NFL quarterback, but it, then he's had a couple of just games where he was a total collapse. I, yeah, I it's know. hard to get a read on him because two of his games were unmitigated disasters. Like disasters. Two, from game, two games were pretty good, and one game was all right. To, to unmitigated disasters from the first snap to the point where you, it seemed mental. Like things just went bad on the first snap, and then he, he kind of crumbled, which isn't a great sign. Um, but he's shown otherwise I think he's looked pretty good. Over and Doug Martin looks awesome. Yeah, that was, that was one of those uh, preseason – Hype trains where I was suspicious of, but that has proven to be he is he's back this year's to that Mark guy. Ingram. He's a lot better than his and his numbers are fine, but his, he's a lot better than his numbers show. Uh, we took the Redskins across the board to move to three and four. Moving forward uh, to the late games, the Oakland Raiders, gentlemen, um, they are two and four, and now they have a big division battle against the San Diego Chargers. Uh, excuse me, Oakland's two and three. The Chargers are two and four. Uh, this is a Philip Rivers-led Chargers team. Rivers went off, sent all sorts of organizational records in his last game, throwing for over 500 yards, uh, and uh, it wasn't enough to get the win, but the Chargers are a frisky team, the Raiders. What are your thoughts on the Raiders right now, uh, Greg? My thoughts are that they have a chance to be in the mix in this bad division, and these division games are going to be huge for these three teams, the Chiefs, who I guess are just about out of it. So it's really these two teams, the, the Chargers and the Raiders, because I think there's an opportunity, the schedule's doable for this division, for one of these two teams to rise up, for the Chargers to make a run. We talked about how top-heavy the AFC is with only five winning teams, or the Raiders to make a run. And this, this is such an intriguing game, I just realized I think I'm going to assign it to myself. Oh, take it. Rosemary. I know you guys wouldn't love it anyways. It's not like the choice a one, but it's kind of that. I think it's going to be a sneaky big game. I want to see how Derek Carr's plays in this game. And I want to see if the Raiders, I want, I want to see which one of these teams can step up. Um, I hold in my hands the, <laughs> the 2015 week seven research notes. Oh, well, we, we finally know that Sydney has been learning from TV. <laughs> she hasn't been paying attention at all. <laughs> all right, I'll set you up again, I'm in Sid. I'm in Sorry in if it. we bored you. I'm ready Sydney. to go. I'm all right. <laughs> I hold in my hand the 2015 season week seven research notes. <laughs> Get rid of that thing. It's a monstrosity. That was great, by the way, because Sydney's face when she turned around was like, hamana, hamana, hamana. And by the way, Sydney, you are doing a great job. I'm sorry, my face was what? Can we can we just hear that again? Hamana, hamana, hamana. 
But you have done a great job since coming aboard. I just want to make that clear, both you, to Dan. you and the audience, uh, simultaneously. There was a the peanut gallery in here. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, yes, from the research guide, Keenan Allen, guys, 53 catches through six games. That is the most by any wide receiver in the history of the game since 1960. He might set the NFL record for catches. I I think it's a oh, easy there. He might. He's on pace. I in an over, offense where it can happen, Wes. I'm overdue to acknowledge that you have used the research packet much more efficiently this year, and you've used it. You've used it with some context because I was you're, you're really setting me up because I wanted to talk about Keenan Allen. Thank you. Ooh, that's grade A hosting right there, Dan. Everybody Wang Chung tonight, baby. Dan making the leap. Amari Cooper is not the best wide receiver Double in leap. this game. Keenan Allen. Oh, I thought you meant Michael Crabtree. <laughs> Keenan Allen is playing lights out. Those catches, 14 catches in three quarters last week, and they were ridiculous catches. He's he's fun to watch. He actually he reminds me of a much better version of uh, the guy on the other side of the field of him, Stevie Johnson, a little bit. Like a, a younger, uh, better, but, you know, it's not like Keenan Allen. more physical. He's not pulling away from you. and He's, he's a very – he can make catches in traffic like anybody. He, he's not eccentric. What's the word for it? He's just a – so I don't know what the word for it is. He's a very unique. Re- he's a unique receiver. There's a certain je ne sais quoi. Yeah, <laughs> yes. that's true too. Not what I was looking for, but that also makes sense. I don't understand how Keenan Allen w- had one of the best. Uh, what was he offensive rookie of the year two years ago, and then was still with Philip Rivers had a great year, wasn't as good, and now is unstoppable this season. He was playing injured last year. I'm gonna raise my oh, hand. Injuries. You could read between the lines of uh, some of the articles from the Chargers writers and the coaches in the offseason that Keenan Allen might not have taken his work too seriously last year. Well, didn't he say? I think the coaches essentially have said that, that they they thought he came off the rookie year and he was like, all right, uh, you know, I'm pretty good. And, uh, yeah, he wasn't working. Remember early in his rookie year when he said he thought about retiring to pursue music? (laughs) Right. So that's right there. That maybe gives you a little window. So maybe he's a young, immature player and you can't, you just can't survive in the NFL like that unless you're an outrageously talented. Well, he must have had an, an epiphany during the offseason because he's playing lights out. Well, he had how many catches in three quarters last week? Fourteen. Fourteen and three quarters. He would have broken the franchise record if he if he he would have broken the NFL senior. record. Yeah, Brandon Marshall. I think it's Terrell Owens, right? With twenty. Marshall. Uh, Brandon broke Marshall, it. Marshall broke, broke it. it. He oh. got twenty. Well, uh, yeah, he has a hip injury. That's why he came out of the game. Uh, the Union Tribune, San Diego reports there is quote. Plenty of optimism that he will play in Week 7 against the Raiders, and they, they could use him. Uh, as for the picks in that game, game uh, gentlemen. Wild card uh, or. Oh, the Renegade or. Picks, fittingly, the Renegade Raiders. The rest of us took the mm. Chargers. That's that's what you call a, a good hero pick. You know what? That's a toss-up game, don't you guys think? No. You don't think so? No. Mm, I'm I'll take Phillip Rivers. All right, it's the Thursday preview show, and now it is a tradition like no other. Andrew Siciliano of NFL Network joins us, the host of Around the NFL, the television show. When can I watch that? <laughs> right off the top. <laughs> we'll tease it. We'll tease it. I'll tell you at the end of the segment, it depends on how Andrew does, whether we give the correct information. You know what, Wesley, you know what Chris is kind of, he, Chris is kind of like Statler, or would you be Statler or Waldorf? Both. Both. For those who don't know, the Muppets, I hear they're back on TV and raunchy and racier than ever. However, 
They're like Statler and Waldorf, that is Chris Westling right that, here. No coincidence. You just need a balcony. Those two are <laughs> the best characters in that show, awesome. in my opinion. Yeah, grumpy old men. <laughs> yes, Get off my lawn. Great. They're awesome. Uh, how are you, Andrew? I'm doing well, gentlemen, and yourselves. Very Great. well. Great. Uh, question is, now that um, Greg has replaced the group on your television show, right yes. now, oh, do you find the show better now with just Greg as opposed to all of us? <laughs> um, Honest answer. Well, I don't know that... Oh, have we officially replaced you? No, guys? he's been. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, because of the whole, the, the, the things that you guys used to do. We're right. going to be see, doing. Andrew right. doesn't even remember them. No, anymore. no. We, we, for those that are new to the show, we were once on around the NFL as a group. It was only two weeks. Yanked. Ago. It was only two upstairs. weeks. I don't think it's been yanked. I think it could come back. First of all, I'm not, I, I am not privy to those meetings. Rosenthal probably is. Second of all, <laughs> Greg has been really good the last two weeks. Mm. I mean, this week good. Today, last week when you got to the name calling and the finger pointing with Mike. Silver, I thought that was real quality television. Real tough to win a debate against people propping up Peyton Manning. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Two live Jews. That was the name. going to be the name of our second. I love their second album. So you have you've effectively dodged the question, Andrew. Good job. Um, I miss. Would you like me to say? Just tell me what I want to hear. Would you like me to say, Dan, that we miss you? Yes. We need your unique brand of Jets apology on the oh. show. Yes, Papa. Yes. Yeah. Thank yes. you, Papa. We need that. Thank you. Bring right. it back. Well, thank you for okay. coming back to the podcast version of the Around the NFL brand. So why don't we get into some games? And I did feel bad after Andrew left for the Dodger game uh, that we kind of inadvertently, it wasn't on purpose, but we, he kind of got stuck with some crappy games. That we what, talked and about. you asked me to predict the winner, and I said, I said the no, I didn't. I said the Dodgers would win. Oh, yeah, that's right. right? Yep. I, that's when I felt. Meanwhile, bad the Mets are in the World that. Series a week later. They've made quick work of the NL, uh, but. Uh, as a olive branch, we will give you a nice little game to okay. start. Oh, oh, game, yes. Yes. So we'll what do you get got? Into the games, we'll start. You know, you have your Cleveland Browns ties. You've done yes. a lot of work with the St. Louis Rams. Yes. Guess what? They're playing each other on Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern at the Edward James Olmos Dome. Get excited. <laughs> Andrew, your thoughts about this game. And I, and first, let's start. Before we came on the air, you mentioned, you, you know, you have a brother that goes to a lot of Browns games. He travels, in fact. Um, and this that was a sucker uh, punch or a gut punch loss for the Browns last week to the Broncos. It, it, it was not because they were supposed to win, but because they should have won. They were handed that game so many times. When you fail to capitalize on the only play Barkevius Mingo makes all year, <laughs> you can't win. When you get it on the, what, the plus 39 or 38, whatever it was in overtime, and go backwards and end up on your own 38, it, but it goes deeper than that. The Carlos Dansby pick six, where he tightrope the sideline. If you had to, and people may laugh and say that's how little this team has won since it came back in 99, but if you had to rank the top, five, eight moments in the history of that stadium where it shook to the foundation. That was one of those moments Wow! where he went into the dog pound, that end of the stadium, and that place shook. Mm. And maybe you have a Manziel touchdown a couple of weeks ago against Tennessee, or maybe it was an Eric Wright pick six when the Giants were undefeated on a Monday night coming off a Super Bowl season where he went 80 yards. Hoyer's Thursday night game was good. They beat the Steelers once. The, the Hoyer Thursday night game against Buffalo where right. he got hurt, that one. Oh, well, no. Travis Benjamin had a return. The Hoyer that game against the, the Bengals was on the road, the actually. Jimmy Haslam laugh in the owner's box. That was the Bills game where Hoyer and Manuel got hurt, and it was the shot of 
uh, Haslam going like, ah, ha, 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 laughing like Skeletor. <laughs> well, jo- Josh Gordon has had some moments, but that, I mean, that place was amazing. And your brother said 24 hours later he still wasn't he still able to talk, talk about, about it. it. And that's similar to Mark uh, texted me later that night or even I think it was the next day. He thought that was one of the toughest losses for the Browns in a long time because of the history with the Broncos. But they had never – okay, so it's been 25 years since they beat the Broncos. 25 years. It was 1990. It was a Monday night, and some Canadian dude had like a cup of coffee called named Jerry Corrick kicked the game-winning field goal to win 30-29 in Denver. Now, that year, that they were horrible that year, Both and the Broncos were too, but they were, they were coming off – um, you know, in an 89 season where the Browns lost to the Broncos for the third time in four years in the AFC Championship game. And for people of my age, I'm 41, I mean, those teams, 86, 87, 89, where they were one step away from the Super Bowl, three out of four years, I mean, you still hate the Broncos. Yeah. If, if you're, and then this, this was there. And anyway, I digress. It's, and, so, and- it's so Browns to the Dansby pick six, which you said is a great moment. All they had to do was to kick the extra point instead of going for the two-point conversion. And by the way, Mike Pettin, uh, this is not Rip Mike Pettin here. I, I, I want to make that clear. The the typical Monday day after for a coach after making that kind of decision would be, what the heck were you doing? Instead, Mike Pettin then goes out there Monday and has to stand on a firing line where Johnny Manziel questions for 15 minutes mm-hmm. Speaking as the voice of the organization, in essence, because no one else is talking about it. And it, it was just a weird couple of hours there. And let the passion coming out of Andrew and Andrew's brother and Mark Sessler speak to that Browns fans deserve better. You are a factory of sadness! Uh, oh, just, not that guy. You know, they just they deserve better. <laughs> you don't uh, like that guy? I Whatever. He's one of you, though. <laughs> Mark always yells at the producer if they put that on. So you, you have a similar reaction. Yeah, to hell with that guy. You're done with that guy. I'm done with that. I never was with that guy. <laughs> Mike wow. Oak Ever. out of Cleveland. Yeah. I interviewed him for the pain rankings piece I wrote, so I, I feel like this is a shot at me. That uh, said, this is an interesting game this no, week. Yeah, let's talk about the game. This is now, turn to the Rams, this is now the part of their schedule where they could and should make a run. So this is kind of, at least for me, this is the window here where we find out if this Rams team can, A, handle success, well, B, first of all, find it. Have success. And then, then B, handle it if they get there. Can they win consecutive games? Can they get a streak going? Can they beat the teams that they, at least on paper, should realistically beat? And so that, that, that's why this game is interesting totally to me. And they're coming off a bye, the Rams are. We kind of laughed a little bit when, Greg, you predicted that they would be the runner-up in the NFC West. Uh, back in early September, but Todd Gurley's emergence, I feel, all bets are off with the Rams now. I, I really think they could be a team that's that's really frisky all through the season now as long as he stays healthy. They play to the level of their competition sometimes, but you have Gurley. They're actually using uh, – I don't think sometimes. I think all the time. Actually. All the time. Yeah. Tavon Austin, uh, they're actually using his skills well or well enough certainly better. It makes the offense watchable, and this is a matchup. I know the Browns' offensive line has been – very good overall pass protection uh, this year. But I, I think they should take advantage of this matchup at home. Josh McCown, I think, went back to the Josh McCown we expect to see last week, and they force him into some mistakes. I mean, he'll play well enough, and then he'll get people around him in the pocket, and he'll just try to make a play, and he'll throw it up for grabs. I know the Browns are playing teams very tough this season, even if their record isn't great. But it would be, yeah, a huge step backwards for the Rams. They got to start stacking some wins and really build momentum, something they've really failed to do during the Jeff Fisher era. Stadler? 
<laughs> Your thoughts? I was going to say, you know, you said the Browns' offensive line is playing well. Uh, Shaq Barrett owns them. Mm. Shaq he, Barrett. Shaq Barrett. Well, that was made, against Denver. Made, made a million fair. dollars. He looked last week. He looked every bit as good as Demarcus Ware, the guy he's replacing he in the lineup. And in and in part time work, even before last week, he was making a lot of plays. I mean, I know Pro Football Focus had him ranked as you know per play one of the top guys in the league, but he was only getting a handful of snaps every week. Uh, they have that. I mean, I still think the Browns could win this game. Overall, I think the Browns have played well, considering it's not a very good roster. Uh, I like the way they use Duke Johnson. He, mm-hmm. We should give Travis Benjamin some love. He's playing great. They he got over they 100 must last get, week. What, six slants to him? Yeah. They're they much did. better at the skill positions than we would have ever expected. Robert Gary, Turbin. Gary Barnage having a career season sure. at 30. Robert Turbin, the few times he, he carried the ball last week, got downhill better than the other two guys had done. That was um that was needed. They didn't have a, a, a I don't want to call him a workhorse power back because that's not what he is, but they didn't have a guy that could square his shoulder pads and actually hit the line in short yardage. They had not seen that yet in, until they saw that. Down three, biggest drive of the entire season, trying to either tie that game yeah. or win it. It's all Robert Turbin. Mm-hmm. That was the offense. Yeah. I thought that was re- it was really interesting. And, and considering they moved the ball well that drive, I think he'll get a lot more chances. This game can be summed up in one sentence: Todd Gurley against the number one thirty against the number thirty one run D. That's it. That that's the easiest way to describe this to, game. To uh, to Andrew's point, we all took the Rams except for Connor Orr, who is a Browns fan. So perhaps is that he? played into he keeps his it. He, he did not is, know that he's the yeah. least Browns fan. Browns fan ever. He, he's he, I mean, no slight to him. So you think, and Andrew, I'm, I'm going to go. I'll go with the home team here. I'll go with the Rams. Okay. Yeah. All right, moving on. So the Atlanta Falcons last Thursday around this time, they were an undefeated team. That is no longer the case. They got beat by the Saints in New Orleans, and now they get the Tennessee Titans um, in Nashville this game, Chris Wessling. Uh, where are we at with Marcus Mariota right now? Didn't practice again today. That scares me a little bit. He Connor Orr covered this game for us last week, and really – kind of criticized the coaches for leaving Mariota in the game. And when I watched it on film, he was so obviously limping. And he, you have to help him help himself because he, he was a sitting duck in the pocket. So that would scare me if I'm the Titans, if he plays. And it would also scare me if Zach Mettenberger plays because oh, he's just not a good quarterback. He's pretty good. This is his chance. And it's a good matchup for him, too, because the Falcons don't have much of a pass rush. We saw it against Drew Brees. And like just about any NFL quarterback, Mettenberger – can do well if no one is rushing him. And Atlanta, I know it's at home or it's in Tennessee actually, so that makes it even tougher. They have not been able to get any pressure with their front seven. I think it could be a good game for Mettenberger. You're starting two quarterbacks in fantasy leagues. Pick them up. I uh, wow. I can't see, and I'm not ready here to anoint the Falcons, but they had a little extra time to prepare. Um, they. They look even if it is Mariota. What is he third in the NFL in sacks? I would be surprised. I think he has I, the highest sack rate I, in the NFL. And, I and I, I think s- right, I do too. And I think seven of those came week two against the Browns in one game. So those numbers are kind of skewed. But uh, I, I like Atlanta here. I, I I just like what they're doing offensively so much. That's why I had an issue with your rankings before. Greg, with the watchable rankings, I, I think their offense puts them higher, and I think their offense actually wins this game. Devonta Freeman is a lot of fun to watch. I don't like that they've turned Matt Ryan, I, I, as I told you, into a dink and dunk quarterback. I don't think the passing game is really any better under Kyle Shanahan. The rest of the team is better, uh, but and it's effective, you know, moving six, seven yards at a time. But when what was the last game Atlanta came out there and just uh, 
played good, to, you know, from the first quarter to the fourth. There was really one game all year. fourth quarter team. Houston, Houston yeah. was the and one it, game. It didn't feel like watching Thursday's game that this was some grand upset and some team that was inferior to the Falcons had a good night. I felt like they were kind of same general talent level in terms of ability. So I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons slump a little bit and end up being closer to 500 than we thought. I, I'm a weirdo. I actually enjoy watching Kyle Shanahan call a game. Oh, I do, I do too. Yeah, yeah. I do. No, call me great. a weirdo. Why is that weird? I don't know. I thought you were going to tell me that it was weird. It's a trust tree. There's okay. a lot of a lot of scientists <laughs> here, a lot of football nerds. You don't have to worry about that stuff here. <laughs> we all took the Falcons, and do you agree with that, Andrew? I do. I will take the Falcons, yes. Yep. Because let, let's go back to weeks one and weeks two here with Tennessee when everyone was exceedingly giddy about Marcus Mariota, and I, too, certainly think that the guy's got a bright future. But there was a reason this team was picking second overall at 2-14. and 14. Oh, yeah. right, They don't exactly have talent oozing out of the pores here. No. They've had a different, generic team. different leading rusher every week until last week when Antonio Andrews and Dexter McCluster led the team with 23 yards. They play the wrong guys. Wait, you think Terrence West should be in there? Yes, I do. You really do. I do. Or Bishop Sankey. Antonio Andrews is one of the slowest running backs in the. Oh, I, I'm not. I'm not endorsing him in it at all. And they play Harry Douglas, who hasn't made a play his entire career. I just find it interesting that <laughs> they 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 trade for Terrence West, have him active, I think, for two weeks, and and he's straight Dwayne Bonet since then. David Cobb uh, returned to practice this week, so he he might not be too. Far I forgot off. about him. I honestly legitimately did. I'm, well, he, I, I want to see. He was him a buzzing guy yeah. in August. Right now, yeah. So. He might be a, a lip to them, but he won't be able to help them yet. Uh, Andrew, you've done it again. What is that? You've come into the studio, uh-huh. and you've just you've dropped knowledge bombs. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say like I took you guys down a dirt road, like a freight train ta- down a dirt <laughs> no, road. No, you uh, <laughs> you brought some charisma to the show and some star power, as we know. I, I sense big time star. I sense some sarcasm, and I sense no. actually a little pushback from you, Dan, because <laughs> you're not on the TV. Oh. <laughs> I sense you know I sense well. some, some some jabs. Well, no, this is how you know. Usually, yes, I would say that. But in this case, I know that you are not directly in control of the programming of the show that you host. I, I which again is a jab. <laughs> <laughs> which well, again is fair. a jab. That's fair. Well, no, it's not that you don't have a voice. I'm going to have to dig <laughs> out of this. It's not that you have a you don't have a voice in the production of the program. But, you know, I don't know. Unless you did, are you responsible? No, for I, I, didn't, I didn't sandbag I'm going to get to the bottom of this suit. I didn't Whoever's sandbag listening. you guys. Listen, and, and for the record, this comes one day after I heap praise on your Jets <laughs> on the Twitter. Ooh, good point. You did, and I retweeted that. What yes. was that? Number that, one, that's number a, one that's defense. A, that's every time you want to retweet from Dan, just praise the Jets. Oh, stop That's it. the recipe. It worked you know for what? me yesterday. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I don't. I don't like this. You know my favorite Jets moment of all time. Yes, Mark Gastineau's fourth down <laughs> roughing the passer call. All right, I deserve that. Yeah, that is in the '86 AFC divisional round. Bogus call. Actually, wild card round. Yeah, bogus call. That was the famous Charlie Steiner call. The Jets are going to the AFC Championship game. after Freeman McNeil scored off right tackle. Uh, yeah. It was By the way, have you seen seventeen? I believe. Have you seen the NFL Films one hour special about that game? Have we discussed this recently? We have. I think. Yeah, we did talk it, it hasn't played in years, but I have it saved in my DVR. And there's a great. <laughs> so they play Charlie Steiner, now voice of the Dodgers, saying, "And the Jets are going to the AFC Championship game." And then they show him today. He's there. He's looking at the camera, and he kind of went. Uh, Shrugs his shoulders. <laughs> uh, I mean, 
Well, <laughs> it's great. Charlie's the best. No one's perfect. So here we go. The Around the NFL <laughs> television show, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Yes. And Thursday. Thursday, Howard, different situation. Yes. First of all, it's a longer show. It's yes. A three hours. Three hour show. It begins at 2 p.m. Eastern. Yes. 11 a.m. Pacific. Three hours of tomfoolery and hijinks. So good stuff. Andrew does an awesome job with it. And he also does the Direct TV Red Zone show on Sunday. So, yes. Busy man. Uh, you know, guy earns his paycheck. They wanted me to actually, someone in St. Louis suggested I do the Red Zone from St. Louis this week for Browns Rams. <laughs> I don't think that's doable. <laughs> that is not doable. I thought about it. Huh. How would you do it if we you were could, We couldn't. We couldn't. Yeah. There's no way on earth <laughs> we could do it. But, hey. Oh, well. Dare to dream. The, the Siciliana Bowl. That's it. it. It's America's partying for it. <laughs> Emotional. Emotional. <laughs> there should be a trophy and everything for it. Did you see, by the way, I don't know, not a lot of baseball fans uh, in this room, perhaps. So I know I am. Andrew, what? you are. When Did you see when they handed over the National League uh, trophy? To the Mets after the game yesterday, there, there, there was a lot it's like of taken from a haunted house or something. I mean, the, it, it, it's absurd. It, well, have Good you trophy. been? Have you been in that clubhouse? No. Okay, that clubhouse is the size at Wrigley of this room. Wow. I mean, it is. It is a closet. Um, it, it was an interesting scene. There, there are so many interesting things about that. I believe the collective age on that podium was. Oh my goodness! I mean, seriously. <laughs> Now we're, we're getting veterans. too we're getting too inside baseball. Yeah, here. literally. Yeah. All right, uh, Andrew Siciliano, thank you very much. Please join us next week, God willing. Okay, if you're nice, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, take it to the home stretch now, gentlemen. With uh, the game, I believe uh, you might hear uh, Joe Buck, the bearded Joe Buck, and Troy Aikman. Just a prediction here because it's Cowboys Giants at the Meadowlands, uh, 4:25 kickoff on Fox. Uh, this is a game between a 3-3 Giant team, that, which just, let's let's face it, just looked dreadful um, after that initial touchdown drive against the Eagles on Monday night. So didn't give you a great vibe about where they are as a team. That was an ugly way to end a, win- end a winning streak. And then you got Dallas, who's on a three-game losing streak. But, Greg, they turn now to Matt Castle, uh, who will take over for Brandon Whedon. Probably not going to see Des Bryant, even though, I feel like the Cowboys are teasing it out a little bit, maybe in a He's not playing. competitive advantage uh, move. Uh, but we will get Matt Castle. You think it was the right move to go with Matt Castle right now? Absolutely. It couldn't hurt. I I'm think, asking the right guy. I think Brandon Whedon, they made clear through their comments, and we've heard some things behind the scenes that he didn't really this grasp. It to be tough for you. It's like a mother trying to pick a favorite between two sons. What? I don't know where you got the wow. idea that I liked Brandon Whedon. All, all the I, defending you were doing of him after he came well, in and I, all I, 20 passes I was, three yards. What I was defending was the Dallas Cowboys defense, and I couldn't have been more wrong about that because they did collapse after those first couple weeks, but now they are back. Demarcus Lawrence is a good pass rusher. Greg Hardy is making a big difference. You have Sean Lee. You have Rolando McClain. I think their defense now, you throw Castle in, you at least can be competitive in these games and have a better chance to win. Anytime you have a chance to just pump your fist. I, I, do, <laughs> I do that all the time. Any chance Rakers, I have to that figure. reason it stuck out a little bit. <laughs> I, was, I was just making sure Wes knew the – the well, there's power a, well, of my the, opinion. There's a little heat between you and Wes right now <laughs> because, Wes, you called Greg the patron saint of bad quarterback play or something? Yeah, he loves bad quarterback. And Greg, that rubs Greg the long, wrong way as a scientist. So all of a sudden, here, here's the old Zeus. <laughs> well, it's stupid. He's the, just having fun. scientist on scientist crime. He's just having fun. You know, Wes likes, like, only seven players in NFL <laughs> history. They've all made the Hall of Fame. 
<laughs> like I, you can like players that aren't the best players in the league. It's and okay. Case Keenum. Right, and Case Keenum. Right, you <laughs> pick some weird ones. Matt Castle's fine. I root for Matt Castle. What's wrong with that? Any chance you, any chance you have to put Joe back, Joe uh, Buck and Troy Aikman on Matt Castle to Cole Beasley connection? You have to do it. <laughs> oh, they probably got. T- this t- is a terrible game. Why oh, would anybody watch? No, it? I'm not excited for it. And they probably got old uh, Thom Brenneman on this. Because, hey, Thombo. Because Joe Buck uh, is doing baseball. Tom had uh, oh, something right. we like to call around here La Raville Magnifica. Ooh, do we have that city? La Raville Magnifico. What was it? Last week in the Cardinals. Steelers game when he thought the the Steelers scored a touchdown because one of the Cardinals players had touched it. It's it's complicated, but he had no idea what the rules of the game were on a punt after the you know punting team touches the ball first. So he thought it was a oh, live yeah, ball. He oh. thought it was a big play, Bomb. and no one corrected him for 45 seconds. It was a huge moment in the game, and it, and he's the play-by-play guy. And well, hold on, like, about it. Like Joe, Buck, I was really. They should get the UFC guy back. I was offended. Like Joe Buck, primarily a baseball guy, and also the son of a broadcasting legend. Okay, then don't then don't put it on uh, on the number one game. On don't Fox. don't be knocking Tom Brennan. He's a Cincinnati legend. And for those of you who do not know what the Ravil Magnifico is. La Ravil Magnifico. <laughs> it's a great dances. That is when someone, it, it could be in casual conversation at a party or at work, or you're watching uh, someone on television or an analyst, where they say something and immediately in your mind you note, Cannot, I can never take you seriously again. You just, <laughs> revealed, just yourself. revealed yourself. It's a great reveal. Anyway, where were we? Oh, I believe it loosely translates to the magnificent reveal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ODB, by the way, keep an eye on this because we knew we had the hamstring issues um, last year that cost them four games in all of the preseason. And uh, Tom Coughlin said Thursday that, you know, there is a chance where they might have to go that route where he doesn't practice really ever and just plays on Sunday. So this could be something that sticks around. And they don't have their bye week till week 11. So if Odell's going to stay on the field, he's going to have to gut it out. And Wes, I know he's your boy, but toughness, can he be trusted to stay on the field and get this done and be a transcendent player? I, I don't question people's toughness for hamstrings. You can either – you either – I mean, if you have a bad hamstring, you can't do anything. All right. Um, one other thing about this game, though. You, a man you like to call Christine, Kristen Michael. Yes, Christine Cowboys Michelle. coaches are talking uh, talking him up. He's going to have a bigger role this week. You know, Speaking of Wes's boys. Cowboys are going to win this you game. You have a sandwich on the line. Yes, I do. Because yeah. none of these teams are going to be able to go away and hide. It, ha- it has to be a three-team race, I feel like, all season. And so with that in mind, the Cowboys will win. I like that. Uh, we all picked the Giants except for the renegade, Connor Orr. <laughs> it's outrageous. <who> <laughs> he must with. be looking at your picks. <laughs> he has to be at this point. Uh, He's cheating. And again, none of it really matters because for all of his his picks, he's in second to last place. Not not buried by any stretch, but um, you know it all kind of works out. Nothing matters basically. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. The Philadelphia Eagles uh, got that win over the Giants on Monday night, despite their quarterback playing terribly, leading to more questions about what's going on in Philly. But at the end of the day, they're in three three and three and tied atop the NFC East, and now they face yes the undefeated Carolina Panthers and. Uh, how about what Cam said, by the way, on Wednesday? Um, he pitched the idea, and I don't even know if he was joking. It was not, he said uh, he doesn't. He finds the entire media uh, comical at times, and that would include us. Um, 
for making predictions, and then even though we have the chance to back off certain things, we don't ever take ownership of wrong predictions, but we love to bury. So his plan was you make a wrong prediction, media, you get it deducted from your pay. Get a right prediction, get some more money. I'd stop making predictions, and that'd be fine. I think predictions are overrated. We do a lot of them, I get We do, but I, I think – you you listen like to this. literally twenty seven percent of this show. No, but that's is about our prediction. That's not true at all. You just say it as a offhanded thing, and I think the people listening to the show, if they like the show, they like it because of the interaction. They like it because the analysis, the information. They don't like like who cares who wins or loses because no one in the end ever remembers that. I would love for people to track our predictions, but I don't really care about who wins the game, and lo- that's the kind of prediction I don't really care. Go about. get my lunch dot org. Right, I'm not. I'm not. I know enough to know that we don't know anything in terms of being able to predict things right. If if you're great at predicting things, then over a five-year stretch, maybe you'll be good at f- being 58% instead of 52%. But who's who's ever going to keep track of that? Nobody's, Cam? nobody's qualified to judge that. Dan, Dan's annoyed by Cam's comments. No, it's fine. It, it, was, it was funny. He was saying, oh, I don't, you know. Someone asked if he would get into TV after his career. He's like, no, nah, I wouldn't, never. That's, I, I'm not into that. And then someone's like, but didn't you just sign up to do a TV show? I thought that was funny. But it was not a show as a commentator. <laughs> it was a show on Nickelodeon where he was doing it with kids. Well, it, this is, you know, maybe Cam is just feeling his oats right now. He's becoming uh, a better, more consistent passer. And now he's just letting it fly because he's got that sort of confidence. After that fourth quarter performance in Seattle, he knows he can conquer all. I mean, that is the difference this year, I think, with Cam is he's more consistent. He's not having those stinker games or stinker halves like he used to. What about this game? Is this a game, where uh, Wes, where the Eagles offense, which really is hard to uh, figure out right now. They did get their running game on track with DeMarco Murray last week, but Bradford's still not playing well, as I said earlier. Uh, this They could get in a bad spot on the road in, in uh, Carolina here. Yeah, these teams are pretty even personnel-wise except for the quarterbacks, I think. And you could look at it like the Panthers aren't really 5-0 and good. There could be a letdown game coming off of the big win in Seattle. But then I watched their game, and I, and I wanted to pick the Eagles, and I just can't because the Panthers' defense with Luke Keekley back and Kwan Short playing so great, Josh Norman playing better than any quarterback in the league, I just can't pick against their defense. They're so good. And I really do like the Eagles' defense, too. Ron Rivera doesn't get enough credit in this room, and from I would include myself on that because we, we picked on his, love, I love his, his management at some point, his clock management. But you don't think of him as one of the best coaches in the league. He doesn't get talked oh, about. Oh, I love the Riverboat. But based on results and what he's done with that team, and really just that defense, but that's, for the most part, what head coaches are. They're going to specialize in one thing. He didn't have Luke Keekley for, for most of this stretch. He hasn't had Charles Johnson. He's had Josh Norman and Kwan Short as the two best defensive players on a dominant defense, and that is a time where you got to give a lot of credit to the coach. I mean, Sean McDermott, he's got in Sean McDermott, he's got a system that works. That it works every year. That you can put in Ben Wee Bernickery or whatever. I can't even say Ben A Ben Wickery. Right. That you know what this team needs. Steve Smith's son, Peyton, took to Twitter today and said Panthers should trade all their receivers to Baltimore and bring back my dad. Mm. Now Yahoo came out and, Some bad blood, and shot though. down that report. They said they have a source that says the Ravens are more likely to try to convince Steve Smith to return for another year than to trade him. But I just feel like that would be an awesome trade because the Panthers, what they their team weakness is that their receivers lack any semblance of physicality and don't really catch the ball. 
Steve what, Smith would be great. What's standing in the way other than, I guess, yes, there is bad blood, but that's the He took happens. a blowtorch to, their fr- yeah, to, to Rivera and Gettleman yeah, all the that, time. Well, but that, that's big when yeah, it's Gettleman making They're trying to trade. win a Super Bowl here, and they need a wide receiver. And the Ravens, listen, if Steve Smith tells the Ravens, I'm not playing another year, and the Ravens are an also-ran team by the time we get to November, there, to me, there's no reason why you wouldn't move him if he if he wanted to be moved, but we don't even know if that's the case. Well, they got about a, what, a week and a half uh, before the trade deadline, so the Ravens would have to be waving the white flag, which might be tough for them to why do. Why is that so early? That's always when it is. They yeah, actually moved it back a couple weeks yeah. uh, a few years ago. It used to be ridiculous. Push it back further. I want to I want to see this trade. I want to see Steve Smith in the playoffs one more time. Mm. Really Seal up that Hall of Fame. It would be cool. Steve Smith and Jonathan Stewart together playing. Well. I mean, I, I've i always loved Jonathan Stewart. Me too. He's been one of my favorites. He didn't look backs. good this year until the Seattle. But he's starting to look good. I think he's been better than his numbers. He's, he's not the same guy he used to be, but he's running tough. Running tough. And finally, the Monday night game, uh, the aforementioned Baltimore Ravens at 1-5. and five. Uh, They travel to Arizona, Glendale, to face the Cardinals, who are 4-2. and two. And, uh, you know. Just as we said, the Cardinals are just one and two since being named the team of around the NFL. It is a a very special honor, Um, so perhaps depressing a little bit. But at the same time, this feels like a really nice matchup in prime time. They got an extra day to rest, rest up, and now they get a Ravens team that's been, you know, they were fortunate to even have one win this season. So, um Greg, you're, you're saying maybe you disagree. This feels like a spot where the Cardinals are going to roll. What do you think? I agree. I think the Ravens are better than most 1-5 teams, certainly, and they've been in really every game. And but lose they're most. barely 1-5. I, I hear what you're saying, but they could. They, by that logic, they they're also could be 3-3 three and three or 4-2 and two because they're, they're in every game at the end, and the offense has been looking better. The offensive line has been looking better. I think they have some signs of life on offense, but when you play the Cardinals, you better – have a complete team, and I don't think the Ravens do, and I think they're going to give up 35, 40 points in this game, and they're going to lose. Cardinals play with so much energy at home and on national TV on top of it after coming off a loss. This is a buzzsaw for the Ravens. I agree. They they had some good things in that Steelers game. Um, that John Brown. That was new, even though they lost the game. I mean – Andre Ellington's back, and no one even cares or notices, but he is a nice addition, especially because he's no longer the primary carrier. He is a great, great third down back. If that's essentially what he is, I mean, he's he is a he's great— He's one of the best two-minute drill backs in the league because he can actually play wide receiver. Exactly, and he, they hit him downfield on a big play last week because of that, so that's a nice little addition you added to your team right there. I have a new—not uh, a new stable of boys— but one of my favorite players to watch in the entire league is Honey Badger. I love watching that guy. He does everything for them. He blitzes. He stuffs the run, cover corner. He's all, he's always flying around blitzes. He's great. They're really good, like the Patriots, and maybe even better at it on defense, of using players in different ways. Deion Buchanan essentially is a, is a linebacker. Yeah. I mean, he was playing great run support. They have six defensive backs on the field half the time, and they just deploy them in ways that teams have a, have a tough time accounting for. That, doesn't get enough attention that they're really the only team in the league that constantly plays six defensive backs. This is getting ridiculous, by the way. I'm looking at these picks. Connor Orr has taken the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> and Connor, it's a little outrageous. Connor, it's clearly he's now he's playing up to the camera. 
or to the microphone. <laughs> he has six hero picks this week. Six? Uh, six. That's got to be a record. And he took the Eagles uh, as well, which would have been a hero, but uh, mm. Kevin Patcher also took the Eagles uh, in the Panthers game. So, you know, this is a big week for a man overseas. Make a play, C.J. Mosley. Remember that yeah. he has not had a, had a good second season. Uh, so, yes, that is the preview of week seven. Uh, we will be back um, on Sunday night with our world-famous, iconic, well, that seems a little strong. You call it our flagship show. Our flagship program, the weekly recap show. So make sure you check back in with that, with us on that on Sunday night. Um, but until then, this is Dan Hansen signing off for the mailman, the boss, Connor and Quiet Storm in England, and Sydney behind the glass. Until Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.